identity tends to be this shared service, again, an anti-pattern of a dumping ground for things like data access governance, segregation of duties, and all these sort of things which, yes, identity plays a role in facilitating that, but yet they can't do all the layers of that cake. And therefore, it's a false sense of security to think that identity team, I have only one throat to choke, you fix segregation of duties, you fix privacy, you fix everything. Mobile workforces, cloud applications, and digitalization are changing every aspect of the modern enterprise. And with radical transformation come new business risks. Welcome to Hybrid Identity Protection, the premier podcast for cybersecurity pros charged with defending hybrid identity environments. Presented by Semperis, the pioneers of identity-driven cyber resilience for the hybrid enterprise. And now, here's your host, 15-time Microsoft MVP and active directory security expert, Sean Duby. Hi everyone, this is Sean Duby, Director of Services for Semperist and host of the HIT Podcast. For this session, we're revisiting a fireside chat that I had with Dennis Ontiveros back in December at the Hybrid Identity Conference. We were talking about scaling identity for the future. As Dennis points out in this session, despite organizations' investment in identity, we still have significant security breaches and friction when attempting to drive a sustainable identity culture given our competing priorities and views on value. With that, let's turn to the conversation with Dennis. Dennis, the title of this chat is called Scaling Identity for the Future. Why do you think it's so important to scale identity in the enterprise and why now? I think there's there's lots of reasons, but I think um, there's I'll just mention a couple which I think are, are quite important. I mean, everything's going digital. Uh, I hate to say, it, but the pandemic has accelerated some of that. Um, and but the move to the cloud clearly, you know, is is one of the reasons, right? We we traditionally were used to managing, you know, central teams, managing infrastructure. Now that's much more federated. We could have hundreds, if not thousands, of, of customers within the enterprise sort of standing up infrastructure. So you don't have one throat to choke anymore and mm -hmm. to enforce some sort of governance or process anymore. It's you, you're talking about, you know, um, not pets, but cattle, right? As, as they say, when you manage infrastructure. So that's one of the reasons, and, and that's moving at a high, at high pace. Um, the other big sort of paradigm is around microservices or service-oriented uh, uh, architectures. And which are sort of created so they can be independently deployed, right? Mm -hmm. and, and they really model around the, the business domains. And from that perspective, what happens is before we used to have one system or a series of systems that used to do everything, the typical monolith, now you've got all those little different components which are distributed, right? And they're distributed and, and microservices gives us the opportunity to be able to assemble something for a solution that we might not find tomorrow, right? But we need to assemble those things. So it gives us this opportunity what Gardner calls a sort of compostable IT, or you know, assemble different products. And all those components have to authenticate. All those components have to trust each other, right? Mm. And therefore, identity plays a fundamental role. It's interesting how the traditional model around, we think that a monolith is, is, is much more secure. Now we've got much more attack surface with all these things and data moving around. Um, yet, I think microservices also provides opportunity to reduce blast radius because these microservices are target focused around a specific purpose and, and service. So I think it's this dichotomy which you have to balance. So you have a, a lot more moving parts and a lot more independent components moving parts that all have to be able to support the identity. 
Correct, correct. So, so that that's what makes it a challenge, but I think an opportunity as well. I mean, it, it, it's clear the future is very federated or distributed, right? You could see this with the microservices. You could see it with maybe systems having to support multiple HR systems to be authoritative sources. Think of Azure B2B as the sort of start of decentralized identity in enterprises to a certain degree, because they're having to really accept identity somewhere else. And that is already is interesting that people, enterprises, use that journey to explore what that will be when that will come, which will come very soon, right? So that's another piece. And then obviously, you know, in the end, you know, for all our digital products, it is the front door. Identity is the front door. So these are just some of the reasons why it's important to scale them now. It has only gotten more complex. It's not gotten less complex, certainly. So what might impede scaling in the enterprise? Yeah, so, I mean, you, you mentioned a whole lot of technology and technology has come massively right ahead. It's always about these enterprises and adopting this technology in the enterprise. Each enterprise is in a different situation. They have different capabilities, different circumstances. They start from a different situation. They have different constraints. So this, this the, the piece here is around just being very aware that, you know, how you embed technology into the organization, that you're set up to receive it, right, is, is so fundamental for its success, right? Um, it, some technology could be very successful in one enterprise and not successful in another. So mm. this is really around just being very conscious and mindful of the, our biases that we have when adopting technology, our sort of the anti-patterns we could fall into, right? I think some of these things have already been solved in other engineering areas. So if we think of infrastructure as code, think of even security embedding itself in the engineering practices, shifting security left and, you know, the DevSecOps sort of paradigm. Um, but I'll, I'll call out some examples, you know, I'll, I'll mix between sort of organizational and, and technical ones. One I'm, I'm sort of very passionate about and it is, is, is that privilege access is an identity concern, right? And, and it's interesting because we build solutions to make it extremely compliant to jump onto a box and create configuration drift, right? Which mm -hmm. is, so but if you really sort of simmer that down, the ideal pattern would be, you know, you don't have to jump onto a box. You can push the code declaratively through CI, CD, through, through continuous integration and deployment, right? And, and if you want to get statistics, you've got analytics. So there's no reason for changing that. But yet we make, we, 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 we are driven by, you know, either legal or regulatory requirements that then drive the pattern around the customer needing to do that. And that drives obviously the ecosystem of, of, of partners building solutions to address that need. And it's a vicious circle that what you are building is actually um, sort of in making that that anti-pattern is enduring in the enterprise. So really what we should be looking at is not an identity concern, but it's a modernize how you're managing your infrastructure concern, right? So mm -hmm. I think that is, is, is an important piece. So that's just one example. I think another thing is we tend to, um, uh, Vettorino uh, uh, Betocci, which is uh, the architect for Auth0, uh, uh, has a, you know, he, he talks about we build, we traditionally we're building identity solutions as an, as an administrative concern, right? And really we need to be building it not only for that persona, which is an important persona, the central teams, but that the teams that manage and also develop and create those products around identity solutions, but also for the people that build solutions on top of them, the developer community, right? So I think we just need to be much more aware who really is the customer here, right? And that leads me on to, you know, identity tends to be a sort of a shared service. And, we, and it's about just being very conscious that these shared services are normally ticket-based, right? They normally are used as an enforcement point for governance because we have one throat to choke. 
but really governance is everyone's responsibility and accountability and we need to make sure the right pieces and identity tends to be the shared service again an anti-pattern of a dumping ground for things like data access governance segregation of duties and all these sort of things which yes identity plays a role in facilitating that but yet they can't do all the layers of that cake and therefore it's a false sense of security to think that identity team i have only one throat to choke you fix segregation of duties you fix privacy you fix everything so i think this is a, a big anti-pattern we can fall into and this creates a sort of they shared services are not typically built um, to create this great user experience after all the central identity management solution is mandated right so why should i improve it so i think those are sort of some of the traps that you can fall into shared services I'll go on to another sort of example, which is very specific, right? Um, which the security industry, I've been working 24 years in the security industries, you have to rotate your passwords periodically, right? But we clearly know, we know that rotating passwords periodically, and there's great guidance from Microsoft and Alex Viner has written great papers on that, and I've, I've quoted some of them. You know, we know that that creates predictable passwords, right? And, and then the problem is because we have to drive that because you have passes you have to rotate it, the auditors are asking you to do that, when really what you should be looking at is eliminate the password, right? Um, and I think that that's, again, an anti-pattern how many companies that still have policies around rotating passwords, right? So I think something to be thinking about. Another example was uh, around, for example, anonymous access, right? Um, we just recently were in a debate uh, internally where people said, hey, can we provide anonymous links for people to go and share uh, documentation? And if you go and talk to the security community, immediately anonymous equal insecure. But the reality is much more nuanced. And for some scenarios, that might be a pattern. Again, what I'm trying to get at here is not the specific example, but how quickly we shut down conversations before sort of exploring exactly what that means. Because by not exploring it, we are pushing things into a much more insecure channel. For example, distributing through email attachments, which you have no control over if it can be onward forwarded. So again, there's a little bit of that, that risk management theater, which is occurring, and there's again a great reference to you know, how, how we play a lot of that theater, especially in large organizations, especially complex systems, where we tend to drift into these behaviors when there is failure, when there is a problem to solve. Yeah, we we often find ourselves pushing against uh, regulators and regulations when, for example, new guidance. And I, I'm a, I'm always evangelizing about the updated password guidance. Um, but the it, how long will it take before that makes it its way into compliance patterns to actually begin be evolving around that? It's such a you know it, it's one thing that leads the other, and when we don't realize that whole ecosystem instead of enduring these patterns, which aren't really helping the end goal of making it frictionless, safe and secure, right? And I think, again, everyone has a role to play. The PCOB and the audit committees, you know, they, they, they drive these patterns, right? Because they think that that's the right thing. And, right. and it's a vicious circle, right? And in the end, we never get rid of passwords, right? Well, as someone that has had to present stuff to, com to, to compliance people and to organization for managed service uh, agreements and all that sort of thing and you mentioned well if you know i mentioned i you know we don't, don't we don't use passwords and their head explodes <laughs> so yeah. there's, there's a lot of education that needs to happen right yeah, and, exactly and right that education takes time well so you mentioned uh, several times in here and anyone that's spent much time working in identity has learned the phrase anti-pattern 
for example, the constant prompting for user ID and password and people just kind of go and they type it in. Um, how can we avoid falling into patterns that drive the wrong outcomes? Yes. Um, so again, I mean, there's again, technology can help, but in the end is how you adopt that technology, how you can sometimes abuse some of that technology. Um, don't make assumptions, right? I'm, I just used some of the examples there around the, the sort of anti-patterns that can occur, but just be mindful of the situation, right? Be much more mindful of, of the whole, of the fuller context. You know, use, you know, just before, be careful you don't fall into, um, you know, groupthink. I think it's about applying, as I said before, other, other engineering practices like managing infrastructure or even security or other uh, application development they they apply these methods. They apply your customer centricity, design thinking. Um, they apply sort of modern methods like SRE engineering, right? Site reliability engineering, uh, using telemetry to gain insights on how your application is behaving, so you can make it better, so you can anticipate uh, the issue. It's how we can apply those engineering practices and also psychological practices, you know, um, and 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 and. In, in in this uh, that heuristics right that the the approach to solve problems with gaining data and much broader vision so again just be mindful don't fall into group think logical critical thinking there's a link with a great course from uh, University of New Zealand there as I said custom centricity be very aware of your biases right mm -hmm. so what I mean is things we would normally apply to conflict management etc you can also apply to identity right it, it isn't special it, 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 it can come into the mainstream so those are just some um, sort of uh, uh, examples and, I, and I, there's a lot of references that people can go and go and read up on and so there are things that we just sort of don't see until we watch you know a spouse or a relative or a friend try to fight their way through something and you go, oh my God, that is just so horrible. What were they thinking? Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So it's just been much more aware of that. So uh, given that, what do you think are some of the big game changes that were in the next years that enterprise are gonna be challenged by and how and how how should they meet it, meet them? Yeah, I think you, you touched just on that last comment there on probably the one that I'm most passionate about, right? So this isn't a technology forecast of the future for identity. You know, it, it is things that I think that in my experience in the enterprise, you know, you got the technology, it's how you can get the most of that technology without sort of abusing it. And I think that example of friction, it's been curious enough that your identity product, treat identity as a product, as a platform, as a first class citizen within the digital ecosystem, right? Treat it as a product means that you have customers. They have friction. Be curious what friction you are creating for them because that is making their life more difficult. And those could be end users. Those could be developers. They could be developers reinventing authentication, right? Reinventing mm. registration and logging journeys in six different ways, right? Or doing insecure elements. So try and reduce the cognitive load on those distributed teams so they can focus on really the juicy stuff. So that's what identity as a product is all about, right? Um, and, and again, there's a, there's a great sort of session from, um, from the, the DevOps um, Enterprise Summit from Nationwide which talks about how you treat identity as a product, right? So people can go and can, can see that video. So that's the first one is really treated like a platform and like a product, right? Um, the next one is around 
something which I think will be extremely disruptive and is not a new thing, which is ABAC or policy-based uh, authorization. So, you know, what we see is organizations traditionally were very static, right? They, they didn't change a lot, right? Um, and therefore an RBAC model was okay because there wasn't a lot of change. Um, but what we see now, you know, you, we, I was reading the other day around the concept around job deconstruction, right? So there's, there's no job role anymore. So you, you basically have a whole lot of tasks which form part of a job, but you might want to mix and match, right? Like your Duplo box. When that happens and the organization changes and your roles don't change, you create friction. You either have too much access, too little access, and that's not good for any party, right? So policy-based access or ABAC is much more dynamic. Right. So that's where I think, you know, you look at how authentication standards have evolved massively. Right. Authorizations probably sitting a little further behind. Right. Yeah. But yet things like, for example, uh, open policy agent or et cetera, start to externalize the authorization concepts from the applications. So we can have a standardized way of having declarative policy for uh, for authorization. Right. So I think but obviously this is going to throw everything up in the air. There is no request process, right? Because it's policy evaluation uh, at the enforcement point. Recertification, how would that do? How would we do that? The attributes which are driving that contextual access at that moment in time could be different tomorrow, could be different the next second. Who's going to maintain those distributed? As I said before, the future is very federated, very distributed. Who's going to maintain those attributes? It isn't HR only now. It is many other parties. And it's very contextual driven. So that's going to be a big game. Imagine what that does to the audit, to management, to the process. I mean, everything. To the, to the friction. To the, as suddenly somebody's, somebody's, their whole internal world changes as a result of some attribute being updated. Exactly, exactly. So obviously the security of those attributes is where the pain needs to shift, where the controls and, and the diligence need to shift. So. I think that's going to be highly disruptive. And we're already seeing some of these things in the enterprise. So, you know, lots of enterprises are exploring with that, especially in the data space where you have a very dynamic data set and you have, you know, you can't create those brittle roles, which will be very static. You can't create group membership as a proxy for access. It just doesn't mm. work, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't scale. Again, scaling again. Too, too um, broad. Exactly, exactly. So I think um, the concept, obviously, federated sources of enterprise identities, as I said before, you'll, you'll manage multiple HR systems. The reality is, you know, we're going to have to collaborate with many other people. We're going to have to accept identities from other parties, from other partners. The, to solve the problems we have in the future, we will not be able to do it alone. At least we don't see it like that. So you're going to have to have much more cross-pollination, much more cross-partnership, and that means you're going to have to trust identities to access your systems that you are not uh, the authoritative source, right? Um, machine identity is another one. We've got big-time enterprise identities, big-time customer and consumer identities with the whole di acceleration of digitalization. But the reality is we've got all these non-carbon lifeform identities, containers, mm. oh, applications, yeah. IoT devices, which we also need to think of what's their life cycle? Who owns their life cycle? Who's their authoritative source, right? Um, they definitely not, they don't have an HR system, which says when they leave and they depart. So they have to be linked to the applications, right? So all the systems that they are supporting, or even the microservices at a much more atomic level. So again, that will be quite disruptive. And then finally, I think, you know, we'll be, we'll be getting, we'll be using data much more for behavioral uh, sort of analytics. Uh, around identity to bring much more context and not context 
only on authentication, which is, if you think, for example, uh, uh, conditional access in, in Azure, for example, uh, looks at a whole lot of points when you authenticate. It's about continuous context, right? It's much more, you know, the TCO around getting signal continuously during transactions is, is becoming much lower. So therefore, you know, we need to be thinking that we are using analytics to drive the right behaviors for users to drive into that golden path, right? Into that, mm -hmm. that guided guardrail to do the right thing. A good right. example is recertification. A person would have to do a recertification over a thousand users. How effective do you think that recertification is if they don't know, you know, if those people have used those that access or hasn't used that access? Right. It, it's it's we we're doing again that that theater, that risk management theater, but really not getting the outcome which we need right people, right time access, right? Yeah, so what you're saying is for the, the, the issue with recertification and scalability is you've got a manager and you said, okay, you've got a group that it's got 500 people in it. Do you certify that all these individuals, and they're gonna go, I don't know, sure. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and then have we, have we done the tick box on the audit? Yes, Right. but are we more, are we more comfortable with having done the right thing? This is the great question. And how does identity management help in doing the right thing, right? That's what our role is here. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Dennis, because I spent a, a year as a consultant uh, for a large telecommunications company, helping them modernize some of their applications or involved in aspects of that. I'm not, I'm not a developer myself. And what we ran into as much as anything else was culture and, um, I, I guess you'd call it education where they're so busy with their existing apps and just the way they were just staying ahead of the feature requests and making, and, and as other people have said before, keeping the light green that they had, and these are professional, you know, full-time developed. They had no concept of how OAuth worked or OpenID Connect worked or how to modernize their application or the bandwidth to modernize their application or as they're developing new applications, as you're relating to, they don't, they want identity as they just oh, give me something to bolt in. They don't want to learn and become identity experts. They're already trying to be experts in their own application. So they want identity to be a bolt in. It's going to work, going to do the things. I mean, that's, that's your intersection with those teams, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It's about creating products for people that are building products, right? And making their life easier, that they don't have to worry about that. They don't have to reinvent the wheel. And that, that means you have to look at different constructs. Again, there's a great reference to team topologies. Identity shared service teams are enabling teams. They teams that align to what we call stream aligned teams or you know uh, product or, or, or product or feature teams that are really aligned to the business domain. We're trying to make their life much easier, right? Right. That is the cool thing, right? So <laughs> I guess that even, I mean, that sort of broadens into where we step back into IT in general, which is ideally it's to make your life easier, not to make your life harder. And so, exactly. yeah, so you'd be able to, you're, you're the developer's, you're the developer's buddy. Look guys, this is, this is how we can do this. This is how we can make it easier for you to build it in there. And at the same time to make your users happier, well, to make, to make your users happier and to make audit happier on both sides so that it's both secure. And then the, the user, the user journey is as good as possible. Correct. Good. Yeah, so again, that's what we want to do. Drive that 
product owners of identity platforms are asking how their customers experience their own products to make it better. Right, right. Well, <laughs> any of us that have worked both in internal systems and worked with consumer identity, uh, boy, we're all about that. Uh, that's It's a growth industry for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for joining us on the Hybrid Identity Protection Podcast with Sean Duby. Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Visit hipconf.com, that's H-I-P-C-O-N-F.com to learn about upcoming events, view expert presentations, and take part in the conversation.